Get the jet ready. We're going to Vegas. Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. And I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. Judson, hey bud, how's it going? Been a minute. Uh, pretty good, yeah, I'm doing well. How about yourself? You know, we're, we're still standing. The mics still work. The show is still on, kind of. You know, we're, we're living. I think what's going to be great is people are going to wake up this morning and they're going to see their podcast feed and they're going to be like, oh shit, is there an episode of Pot at the Montecito today? Or am I just so fucking high because it's April 20th? Booms can say. Good news, listener. Why not both? Yeah, 420 Blaze It. Here we are. It's real. It's spectacular. Uh, Yeah. Enjoy responsibly. Obviously, we don't condone breaking federal law because we would never do that on this podcast. That's our other podcast. That is, in fact, for the other podcast. Correct. Uh, So to the extent that you are able to celebrate 420 using purely, um, was that Delta 8 or something? It's either Delta 8 or Delta 9. I can never remember which one it is. Use the Delta that's not going to send you to prison. Get baked out of your mind and listen to the episode. What could go wrong? Unless you listen on your morning commute. Don't do that. Yeah, no, don't don't drive high. That's bad. It's nice, safe, responsible, herbal enjoyment. Hit pause on this and then wait till you get home tonight. Open up the intoxicant of your choice and fucking get after it. Bingo, bingo. I, I got nothing else. I mean, it's been a while, but I, I don't I guess Maybe I'm out of practice with the ramble. I don't know. Should we just get into it? You know, they'll probably have come up with something funnier that we said if they did get into the intoxicants. So let's just ride that wave. Love it. It's season four, episode 10, fleeting, cheating, meeting. Why can't you see what you're doing to me? What you're doing to me? We open with some Guitar Hero nostalgia right off the bat, courtesy of OK Go. I don't know about you, but immediately transported back to college and fake plastic guitars. Say what you will for OK Go. Here it goes again. Still a bop. Pretty fucking good. Ed has called the senior staff to the front desk to welcome back a former employee that Ed took under his wing many moons ago that we never met, that we've never heard about. That we'll also come to learn went from housekeeping to the coffee shop. So maybe not as good of a wingspan to be under as Danny would have us (laughs) believe. My immediate thought was, did Ed fuck this girl? Like... because he said fresh out of high school, I was thinking like, is this an illegitimate child of it? Ah, uh, yeah. In, in fairness, once he said fresh out of high school, I obviously had to pump the brakes on that. But what it was like with Danny and Delinda, I think it was we're talking about. It, I was like, oh, like that's it, that's unlike Big Ed to take a such a hands on role with a lowly employee. It de- definitely seems shady before Nicole can show up, though. One of the Steves, Steve number one, as they're credited, takes the opportunity to remind us that our core cast owns a rental property by informing said core cast that he's moving to Macau for a job at the new Wynn Casino there. And as such, he and Steve number two will not be renewing their lease. Womp womp. Congrats to Steve number one. 
I'm not going to lie. I had kind of forgotten about this because the last time we saw the Steves, it was maybe not our favorite side plot. So I'm not too sad to know that they are. Oh, yeah, they exist. But the whole thing about the house is probably just going to go away forever. What do you think it was like to be the actors that played the Steves and get the call after what? A fucking year and a half? Like, hey, we need you back. Oh, hell yeah. What are we doing? Uh, it's going to be about half a shooting day. We're writing you off the show. See you tomorrow. I mean, I get it. That's essentially gives me two seasons of the show, right? That's great for the old IMDb page. Uh, nope. Two se- two episodes. Uh, enjoy Crafty, though. We got to go. Bye. Quick. <laughs> womp womp. We're going to give you scale and a fucking Lunchable. That's all you get. I hope it's enough. I mean, there's worse ways to kill half a day. Well, that passed the time. It would have passed in any case. As Steve leaves, we meet young Nicole and her husband, Ollie, played by Judd Nelson of Breakfast Club fame. Boo! A second Judd has entered the octagon, and this I cannot abide. And with two Ds. It's confusing enough that you're Ed and there's a big Ed on the show, but with the entrant of a new Judd, I, 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 have, to with, I have to remove myself from this. You've got it from here, bud. Take us home. All right. Well, as he will since be referred to only as Ollie, Ollie and Nicole come up and Nicole is so excited to see Delinda. Delinda is so excited to see Nicole. Nicole is so excited to see Danny, who looks extremely nonplussed about the entire Enterprise. And then after this loving reunion of eh, 20 seconds, Ed hands him a key and they're off. And Ed tells Danny and Mike to meet him at the Treasure Island because they got things to talk about. No, I meant I meant for the rest of the episode. I will not be here while Evil Judd is here. So <sighs> that's strap a lot in. of talking. Stra- fucking hell! All right, let me, let me stretch real quick. Hope your notes neck. are in good shape. Ah, uh, they're not that great, but we'll find out. Ed pretty much puts them on Ollie's tail for the rest of the episode because, as Ed lets us know, he's a great judge of character. He just doesn't trust this guy. And honestly, who could blame him, Judson? So this is a bad bit. Oh, it was a good bit, but now it's a bad bit. I need to take a sip of my beer, please. While Danny is poo-pooing Big Ed's ability to judge a person's character, Mike pulls the guy up on video IQ and sure enough, finds footage of him already making out with a decidedly not Nicole in the elevator. I knew this was an evil Judd. I mean, any Judd that spells it with two Ds, it's like someone that spells Edmund with a U. There's, they're bad people. Did I ever tell you about the time I encountered a Judson that spells it, that went by Judd with two Ds in real life? Did you fight him? Kind of. I wanted to. I was at a <laughs> conference and he was important. I was not. I introduced myself to him. He, you know, he had a name tag that said Judson and as did mine. And, I, and he goes, oh, I, I go by Judd, actually. As that was fine, you know, whatever. He had the audacity to ask me why I didn't. What? I go, because that's not my name. What a weird. Why didn't you choose the same nickname that I chose? Yes. What the fuck? And I was like, I mean, I have friends that call me that and I respond to it and it's fun, but like I don't hold myself out. He's like, yeah, I know. Why? And I was like, <laughs> That's that's just a bizarre thing to ask somebody you just met. I mean, that's a bizarre thing to ask somebody ever, but especially somebody you just met in a professional setting. Yeah, it was fucking wild. I was like, ah, nice to meet you. And I literally just walked away from him. 
Uh, proper like, call. Like this guy's a fun. This guy's a lunatic. He is the evilest Judd. I am normal Judd. Ollie is middle of the road evil Judd. Henchman level. Yeah, he, he's like a capo. Gotcha. You got to admire Ollie, though, just not even wasting any time, just immediately getting into the Im- inappropriate dalliances with random girls in an elevator. Holy shit. His player efficiency rating is off the charts. Dude, he's he's not getting paid by the hour. That's for sure. He's going to need to take a uh, a maintenance day here in the near future because he can't go two nights on the back to back. We come out of the intro with Mike and Danny still watching the video, trying to figure out who the girl is. And we get this weird bit from Danny of, well, it's not really cheating. It's just making out with not your wife in an elevator, which I feel like Mike correctly calls him out for like, no, bud, that's I mean, that's that's up there. And a lot of people would consider it cheating. And Danny says, yeah, so would I like, cool, we did it. We got the guy. Go turn him into the cops, which in this case is Big Ed. What the fuck, idiot Danny? Like, can we just skip to the part at the end of this episode where I throw him into the chip leader big board chasm? This guy's a fucking moron. Yeah, Danny. Danny does not have a good episode here. It's clear that he's got some hang up about Nicole because he's just like, I don't really give a shit. Mike's like, okay, cool. I don't either. But you know who does? Our boss, who both pays us and wants to kill us sometimes. So why don't we just do the job? Also left unsaid, but I think much more germane to Danny's well-being. If Big Ed finds out that the guy dating his daughter and living with her doesn't think 22 seconds of makeout constitutes cheating, Danny is no joke dead. Yeah, if anything, Danny should be using this as an opportunity to show how faithful and good he is as a partner and not blowing it off because I think you nailed it perfectly. You know, Mike's call of if Ed finds out about this and we didn't tell him, he's going to be pissed because of that. But then going to the next step, like you mentioned, this is all going to be an extremely bad look for young Danny boy. I mean, Danny needs to be leading with the second he looked, he locked eyes with her in that elevator. I was like, that's inappropriate behavior. Infidelity. I would never do that. Like you look down at the floor in front of you in the elevator. You confirm your buttons lit and then that's it. You're just staring at that floor counter, ho- <laughs> hoping and praying it counts faster. With your hands lightly folded in front of you in the power fig leaf position. And you just stand there silently. Do we think this is because of that time that he escaped assassins and then pretty much got a handy through his pants in an elevator? And so he doesn't want to set a precedent of light elevator relationship treason. You know what? Yes, I do. (laughs) Elevators in no man's land. It's like international waters. Correct. As long as the making out doesn't begin till after the elevator started moving. And stops before it gets your, to your designated floor. Fair game. Yeah. The second you hear that ding, pencils down, lips shut, hands hands in pockets. You need to be disengaged before the ding. Like you need high situational awareness if you're going to go with the elevator infidelity. The split second when you can jump as it's coming <laughs> exactly. to the floor and you get the weightless feeling. It's that's the cutoff. As you're airborne, you must push your your mistress away. Nope, we're done. Bonus points if they smack their head against the far wall and start bleeding. 
you've really shown your commitment to elevator infidelity. Although then you're going to have to answer some questions about how that happened and you could be walking yourself right into trouble. You just go, hey, this motherfucker wanted me to cheat. I put it into it violently. (laughs) And you can't arrest me for assault because we're in an elevator. You'll note it happened before the door is open. That's what they're head banged off of. (laughs) I'm fine. I'm in the clear. Get Kathy on the horn. No jury in the world will convict me. Also, before we move on, Danny says that while they can't recognize the woman that uh, that evil Judd was making out with, he's like, I think I recognize her. So should you, my friend. Oh, season three, episode two. We've seen her breast. Oh, well, we've seen like 40 percent of it. Okay. Uh, It was early on in Bella Petto's existence. And there was a scene where guys were complaining about. Uh, like some guy was like talking to all the hot chicks and Mike had to go down there. I was like, bro, just hang out for a minute. This pond is about to get stocked. You'll be good. Some dweeb was talking to who we know as Pomona. Ah, oh, well, uh, it turns out 40% of her boob was so good. It was worth another episode. I was shocked to learn. And the way I learned this is she got credit for what I believe was a non-speaking part in season three episode two so i would not be surprised if someone in casting had had an elevator dalliance with this actor (laughs) or really wanted to have one i promise not to bang your head off the door when we get done this is me if i'm the casting director trying to bring back sally the thief from from season one or whatever her name was exactly what if you have a threesome with the real estate scam lady. Just spitballing here. I mean, it could do numbers. I think it'd be really good for ratings. Something that, again, we might <laughs> hear about later on. Hey, if this uh, if this goes to a Las Vegas reboot, that idea, free to a good home. Yeah. Again, we're willing to consult. Our rates are very reasonable. Highly, highly reasonable. But yeah, we come out of the intro and Mike and Danny are still watching the vid. They can't figure out who the girl is. And Danny doesn't care and says, look, either way, it's 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm not calling Ed for this. We'll deal with it tomorrow. So they do wait, but they do show Ed the video. And Ed's like, all right, one of y'all be a lad and go fetch Ollie for me. We're going to have a little chat. Both guys pretty rightfully are like a chat with words or like the murder kind of chat. I could not disagree with you more that this was rightfully. This is a classic example of Nunya's. You go get Evil Judd, you bring him to T.I., and then you you get the fuck out. You get the fuck out. Your Honor, the last I saw, Ollie was alive. I don't know what happened. I ran, not walked away from the office. Yes, I had noise-canceling headphones on. Why do you ask? I know nothing. I do, his shoes were untied and I heard he's a very clumsy guy. I don't know if that has anything to do with what y'all are talking about, but I don't know what we're talking about. Why the hell wasn't I told about this place? Two words, Mr. President. Plausible deniability. But the punchline here is Evil Judd has to explain himself or Big Ed's going to gouge his eyes out, which fair trade. I mean, I know which fork in the road I would go down, but some people really like the less traveled ones where you don't get eyes anymore. Because they've been stabbed out with a fork and probably fed to you. Mm. Would not want to eat an eyeball. Especially Especially not mine. Yeah, especially not mine. 
Delinda and Nicole meet for brunch? Lunch? Yeah, you know, it's Vegas. Uh, but Wolfgang's is slammed, and over some white wine and empty plates, Nicole skips the pleasantries and gets into, God, my husband Ollie sucks total shit. Yeah, I mean, A, I live in Fresno, and his sweet TV stand business has really taken a hit since everybody went to flat screens. Oops. Which, first of all, if a guy has the business, one must assume she knew that Fresno was where the business was based. Like, that's an L on her. Like, you you knew that going in. And look, it's not the sexiest business in the world, but I mean, fuck, it was probably extremely lucrative in the days of giant 80 pound televisions. Yeah, those big ass CRTs, those entertainment centers cost a shit ton of money. I think she should not be dragging this TV stand business. That's all I'm saying. I bet it was great, but uh, apparently he doesn't have a good pivot in mind for the now much skinnier, much lighter TVs. The business isn't doing great, so the money's not doing great. So there's no more shopping or trips or going out to dinner. She's having to cut back on everything. Everything really sucked once they got married. She thinks that Ollie's cheating on her. It's all it's just a bad time for Nicole. And in today's video, we're going to be taking a look at the six things that you need to get on board with if you're going to be living in our big, small city of Fresno, California. But hey, Delinda, how are things for you? And then as Delinda starts talking, Nicole's like, oh, yeah, that reminds me. I used to fuck Danny, but he dumped me. (laughs) Which Delinda gets super duper weird about, which, yeah, okay, I get it. Finding out this is your current partner's ex is kind of weird. That's exceptionally weird. Is it? Yeah. So here's here's the thing. And later on, Delinda buys this back and tries like apologizes to Danny. But I want to be exceptionally clear here. Danny fucked up, not because he's under any obligation to do what Delinda later suggests, like a fucking idiot, which is here's a full debrief on everyone I've boned. But when you know those two people are going to likely interact, you owe your partner the heads up. You don't you don't have to apologize. There's no like, oh, sorry, I didn't tell you. It's like, oh, hey, heads up. We were a thing for a few months because you because of this. You don't want her to get caught flat footed. You didn't do anything wrong. Sure. But, but you don't want to to be like, oh, I had no idea. And now I have to sit here and talk to an Eskimo sister that I didn't know existed. This is bullshit. Totally with you conceptually. I think, and and part of this, there could be time dilation that we're missing, but what we've seen in the episode is they were not together when they all got called together, and then Danny is immediately sent on this wild goose chase to go track down Ollie. Seemingly, the meeting with Ollie and Ed was happening at the same time as the meal with Delinda and Nicole, so it didn't, it just didn't seem like there was even an opportunity for that conversation. This is the next day, and... This isn't like a 15 minute conversation. I mean, Delinda and Danny were walking to the front desk together. Oh, yeah, hey, I guess. Hey, 30 he seconds. Said, hey, we hooked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK, fair, fair, fair. And in case you're curious, if if you think you're hearing a second chasm developing in the chip leader, <laughs> you're correct, listener. Your your <laughs> your speakers or earbuds are not deceiving you. The, that was not a second call from Danny. That was a second echo of his yell as he fell down the second one. Anybody? We get a brief moment between Sam and Mary 
And Sam is back to early run Sam and that she asked for last minute tickets to the OK Go concert that she knows is sold out. So that's fine. She's back to being a shitty casino house like we expect. And Mary's back to early run Mary and that she's dumb enough to tell Sam about how she's hooked Nicole up with a private little hang sesh with OK Go and gives her the time and place so that Sam can very transparently and obviously crash it with her whale. So that's also fun. Yeah, come on, Mary. That's you got you got to know better than that. This is going to get played as Sam's fault, but this is the fucking scorpion situation all over again. Like, yeah, lol. Sam is going to sting you. It's going to happen. Also, it would be wrong for her to not because she is doing it for a whale and the whales make your casino money. So she is doing her job and your job better than you are. Um, I mean, Mary is trying to suck up to Ed, which is always a smart move, though. You definitely want Nicole going back to Ed and being like, bud, your girl, Mary, clutch. Hook me up with the private show for OK Go. Very nice. But which do you think Ed is going to want more? The random former housekeeper coffee shop girl that obviously he He got the entire crew together at the fucking front desk. Yeah, fair enough. Because Ed was porking this fucking high school girl. I mean, the evidence is stacking up against it. Ed needs to lawyer up and fast. It is not looking good for our guy. (laughs) You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Speaking of not looking good, apparently the the Steves are not as together about the Macau trip as we thought, because while Mike and Danny are on the hunt for Molly, we find Steve number two in absolute hysterics because Steve number one dumped his ass and said, actually, you are not coming to Macau. Deuces. Also, I'm taking our snow globes and seven drawers and other Disney paraphernalia. I mean, that that part who gives a shit. But I'm really, really excited for the uh, for the unaired scene of Steve number one. Being like Everyone who's everyone named Steve who's going to Macau. Take one step forward. Not so fast, Steve number two. Turns out the airport would only give one ticket to Macau for people named Steve, and I called dibs. Sorry. Mike and Danny are able to wriggle away from Steve number two's grasp to find Ollie and say, hey, you having fun on this trip that Ed's paying out for? He he wants to chat with you real quick. And Ollie's like, oh, you know, I was going to play golf or had some other stuff to do, and becomes very quickly apparent that this was not so much a request to join Ed as it was a command. This would be, I think, fair to distinguish between, if such a thing existed, a jury invitation and a jury summons. <laughs> sure. This was not a, if you're free, we'd love to have you. It's, get your ass here, or there will be consequences. You will not enjoy this. It will not go swiftly. Yeah, I mean, both the meeting with Ed and jury jury duty, kind of very much the same, really. I mean, it's you're much less likely to get dangled over a roof during jury duty. But it's not zero. It's not zero, but much less likely. Ultimately, Evil Judd throws in the towel, heads to TI with Mike, where he's shown the videographic evidence of his misstep and gets absolutely demolished by Ed. I mean, one of the best, most savage takedowns we've seen on the show. We don't know each other, and yet, this dislike, this 
animosity, this um, firm belief that you're a complete jerk. It was almost instantaneous. It was, and surprisingly, this does not break Ali the way you would think that it would, because oh. he t- he takes that, he holds it, and says, okay, are are you done yelling at me? Can I say something now? Which mistake number eh, one for this thread of the conversation, but also probably four of the episode, and we're like ten minutes in. He tries to say, "Look, motherfucker, just because you comped our room doesn't mean I got to sit here and take this shit." I don't I don't answer to you. I don't owe you anything. Fuck off. I'm out of here. And a quick near wrist break later realizes that that was maybe not the correct play in this instance. Now, in defense of Evil Judd, it's extremely unlikely he knew about Ed's CIA background. I, I applaud the cojones. Right. Some guy in his 50s is trying to give me some lip about that. I'd absolutely be like, cool. You want me to go put down my credit card for the incidentals? You don't you don't get to tell me how to do shit. Yeah. The part where he almost breaks my arm without trying very hard. This is a cause for more concern than just the room rate. Gonna gonna realize that the resort fee may not be the only uh, tax that is coming my way. But like any chance we could do something about it being forty four ninety five. That seems illegal. What if I agree to not use the gym? After all, I'm in Vegas. I will only use the towels that are already in my room. I won't even pick up a towel at the pool. How's that sound? I won't even look at a towel, okay? Just fucking, can we can we meet in the middle at like 25? Help me out here. It's really hot out. I'll drip dry. It's cool. Towel? No, I air dry. After he's gone, Ed tasks Mike and Danny with 24-hour surveillance of Evil Judd, both on and off the property. Gotta be honest, I was hoping for some stakeout time. Yeah, we haven't gotten a good stakeout in quite a while. And we're not gonna this episode either. Real shame. We get... Oh, while not stakeout, we get long drive time, we which get, is... Yeah, we get surprising amount of hangout and Bumblebee and chat while we're yeah. in route. So, and I, I feel like those conversations are akin to what you would get on stakeout time. So we kind of get there. Well, I feel like with a stakeout, you get that little bit of like, whatever, like the board equivalent of nervous energy is, where it's like people are getting antsy and restless and it's like, ah, oh, all right, like... And people doing goofy things with binoculars. No, there's there is something a stakeout would have definitely elevated it. You're you're completely correct. This was a really good burger. We were looking for steak. We we are simple men with simple tastes. It's not called a burger out. Instead, Mike grabs a tracker to plant on Evil Judd and is off to do just that. When he runs into Danny, brings him up to speed. What happened in Ed's office? Ed Danny's like, ah, you know what? I actually agree with Ollie's claim that this was a one off because that woman I told you I thought I remembered. Stripper named Pomona, who I've bounced multiple times for scamming people and almost certainly had a threesome with. Yeah, we 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 do get a return of Mike far, far too heavily invested in Danny's sex life. But I think it's very reasonable that if your buddy said, oh, yeah, this super hot stripper offered me a threesome if I didn't charge her with something, you're going to ask the follow up question. This is the only time we've witnessed Mike's horniness. For Danny's sexcapades being valid. There's no other way to play this. Your buddy hints that he may have gotten a threesome. You do not let him leave the room till you confirm or deny that. And and I think we all know that the sheepish grin as the elevator doors closed was all the confirmation anyone needed. Do you, so do you think he did it or do you think he wanted Mike to think he did, but he never did? 
Nah, I think he did. There was there was a little extra pep in his step during that conversation. There was there were some good memories floating around in his head during that. Maybe a little bit of bad because he realized he was ill-equipped for the threesome. That he'd seen this in porn all the time, and then when it happened, he was a four-pump chump, and he's like, "God damn it!" I didn't think about the logistics of this. If I'd known she was going to bribe me with sex, I would have jerked off an hour beforehand. Now what am I supposed to do? <laughs> oh, the old clear the mechanism. As as one does before one has a se- has a threesome with a stripper in exchange for not having her arrested. A tale as old as time. I, for one, am glad that someone's been listening to our Hide or Crime podcast. <laughs> Shout out Pomona. She's our top tier Patreon. As we leave the elevator with painfully no more details about the threesome, Danny gets a call from Steve number one who asked him highly reasonably, said, hey, you know, we made some upgrades. I just want you to okay that what we did to the house isn't a problem so I can get my half of the security deposit back. And also Steve, too, is being a little crazy. So, you know, maybe a little peacemaker in there, too. Bad move, fellas. This is not how security deposits work. No one gets a dollar back till everyone's moved the fuck out. I'm not refereeing your marital discord. I'm not giving out partial credit for security deposits. When y'all are both the fuck out of there, I will cut you a check and send it to Macau. Also, last time you were here, we let you stay as tenants after we saw you put holes in the wall and not like to hang up a picture, like kicked a hole through a wall. The security deposit's already been written off, bud. We saw they put it back, though. They had Mike and Danny over for dinner. Good as new. My time with security deposits did not lead me to believe that they were easily (laughs) regotten. And any excuse to nix them is they going to get nixed. That's very fair. Very, very fair. Noted philanthropist landlords in America are not exactly bending over backwards to give you money back. But if you're going to have a shot. It is with Mike and Danny. I'm sure. I mean, Sam's going to tell you to fuck clean off. Clearly. Mary would obviously give it to you. Yeah. You could have left the holes in the wall and Mary's going to give it to you because she's that conflict avoidant. Yeah. Mike and Danny are your swing votes. It's it's the right play. Danny and a very quiet Delinda are now heading out to the house to assess the nature of the security deposit when she brings up the lunch with Nicole. And Danny's like, I just I don't give a shit. And When called out, he's like, yeah, we were a thing. It really sucked. Delinda's not having it. Dave's like, I don't know what to fuck it. Oh, saved by the siren. Look at that. Shucks, I'm getting pulled over. But really, it's fire trucks hauling ass past them. And wouldn't you know it, turning down the same residential street they were about to. Yeah, turns out their lovely house that we've heard so much about in the last season and a half, you know, almost as much as we're down in the wine cellar. Is ablaze as Steve number two is getting led to a cop car, pretty much giving us to Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, that house deserved to die. And I hope it burns in hell. I don't know what the big deal was. Those were some of the worst CGI flames I've ever seen. That house is fine. <laughs> we we haven't gotten some of the VFX shenanigans that we have in the past in a, quite a while. These let's put it this way. It is very apparent that this was early 2000s network television. Are you telling me they couldn't anywhere find some leftover footage from a Michael Bay movie? Like, come the fuck on. 
That would have been way more expensive than the shitty Premiere VFX that they tried. Yo, God damn. Hop, find, find me a, not even a GIF, but back on like Photoshop when we were in school and they had the two frame moving stamps that you could do. Put a bunch of those flames on this house in Photoshop. Fucking Clippy popped into the screen. I was like, I see you're trying to edit fire onto a house. Can I help? And they're like, yeah, fuck it. Times are tough. We got a lot of driving scenes. We got to film. Budget's low on this app. Let's let this fucking pixel art take it from here. Yeah, thankfully, GST did a little bit better work with uh, finding VFX folks for the Fast and Furious series than he did here in this episode. I, I do not think Paul Walker would have died if GST had brought the same level of GFX. <laughs> R.I.P. Gone too soon. The next morning, the property siblings are all out there reviewing the wreckage when Mike gets off the phone with the insurance company and they're like, "Ah, you know what? Fuck it. Why don't we just not deal with this paperwork? Take the cash settlement, sell the lot, call it quits. And everyone's like, yeah, why the fuck not? Yeah. Why? Why go through the hassle of trying to rebuild and then get reimbursements out of insurance? Let's just cash out. We had a good run. We're good. Arguably the ideal situation for them. They didn't want to have to find new tenants anyway. If I'm the insurance company, I'm like, which one of these five burned this house down? Yeah, this is primo insurance fraud type arson is what they're thinking. But it turns out you have a glowing confession. So you actually get to skip that with the arson charges. Well, the the glowing was all the CGI flames. So that probably won't hold up in court. You know, it's always better when you have to explain the joke. <laughs> audience it's been a while since we've gone through that but i appreciate you back at the casino nicole wants to get chummy with delinda and danny and have all four grab cocktails later but delinda and danny demure declining to detail their disinterest in drinking as a double date when delinda accuses danny of false disinterest he's like he's like look i'm a guy who truly believes what i'm about to say nicole is batshit crazy this is not a put on i do not care our girl is fucking unhinged. Belinda, not at all buying it, but like a fire truck personified, Mike bails Danny out of further trouble. He's like, hey, uh, evil Judd's gone to Henderson and not as he told Nicole Goff, but I could come back if I'm in, interrupting something. We have and will continue to bag on Danny in this episode. Oh, yeah, we so, will. So I, I, I want to do take a second here. He tries to draw appropriate boundaries. He tries to be very upfront of, no, this is not a joke. It has nothing to do with past relationship or me not telling you about her earlier. Fuck this chick. I want nothing to do with her. I want no part of this. Highly reasonable. Highly mature. Doesn't work out for him. But that's this is the one good move he makes pretty much all episode. And I do. I agree 100 percent. I feel like Delinda should be able at this point in their relationship to realize when Danny is uh like basically like caught in a jam and flustered and like caught in a lie versus when he is like stone cold serious like i am not fucking with you i do not like this person yeah this was not an omit this was not a lie of omission this is me memory holding her if i never see her again that's great yeah all all of my cards are on the table i want out of this situation no thank you we're good and in fairness to danny Caught in a weird spot because Delinda and Nicole used to be friends when she was in Vegas. So, like, who knows how it's going to react when you're like, hey, woman I'm moving in with, 
that friend you had a while back, real piece of shit. How do I know? Because I put my dick in her and she was a psycho. Like That's a tough con, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's not a great position to be in, but I, I think it is worth noting that of the many, many fuck ups we will get out of young Danathan, this was not one of them. He tried he tried his best. Hundred percent. OK, go setting up on the casino floor. Sam grabs the guys predictably hijacking the thing that Mary set up for Nicole. Presented without comment. Why I do declare clutch my pearls. How could this have happened? This, as the kids say, is my shocked voice. <laughs> well, we'll we are going to get our rolling stake out, if you will. Mike and Danny are heading out to Henderson to find the address owned by Felix T. Cat, as we learned in the security room, which is a real timely reference for the kids. You know, Felix the Cat, that cartoon that we all talk about and remember. What the fuck was Steamboat Willie not available that week? I, would, I, I came from more of a Heathcliff household myself, but, you know, whatever works. We stand Garfield in this house. Well, I mean, Garfield's just leagues above. This was the, the pre-Garfield cat-based cartoon economy. <laughs> some Betty Boop era shit out here. For, for some reason, I, I'm now in my head replaying the scene from Goodwill Hunting. Talking about, you know, the pre-revolutionary utopia and the capital forming effects of military mobilization. <laughs> Except it's the pre-Garfield cat cartoon situation. They hadn't even come up with lasagna yet. Oh, God. I would I would 100% watch that SNL sketch. <laughs> oh, shit. So they're heading out there and en route, Danny shares his background with Nicole, which he had never before shared with Mike. And he's like, oh, that's because she broke your heart. Uh, uh. And again, in a way that if you haven't watched this episode, I, I, there's no other way for me to convey this. Danny is not fucking around. He's like, no, this chick is a liar. She's a felon. Come, Come on, on over, over officer. officer. And Mike's like, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone likes, he's like, no, okay. You want to hear? I fucked her, rubbered up, and she claimed that it was a pregnancy scare. And what are we going to do about this baby? And he's like, I don't know. I ain't paying for a baby. Oh, oops. Turns out there wasn't a pregnancy. This chick is fucking manipulative. No. Hard pass, Mike. And again, like Danny has had moments where you're like, I don't know what he's, you know, this is honest fucking poker out of our boy McCoy. Yeah. And and he seems stunned at the idea that he hadn't told Mike this story before, which I mean, it happens. You and I have had conversations sure. where we're like, surely you've heard this one before. And then upon realization of it hasn't. You're fucking turning the chair around AC Slater style. And it's like, well, let me weave you a yarn, my friend, because this shit is crazy. Grab a six pack. We gonna be here a minute. But with Mike now understanding a little more what's going on, they realize that the tracker is back on the move and Ollie has left T-Cat's house. But since they're all the way out here in fucking Henderson already. Please, please, Mr. T-Cat. Uh, I've seen those cartoons. That's no mister. That's no gentlemanly cat. <laughs> but they're like, ah, fuck it. Let's go see what's there. Give a little knock on the door. And who could you possibly predict would answer but our young friend Pomona? I've got a question for you. 
Yes. I understand that shows are a product of their time, like any form of art. And so it is not very helpful to be like, well, what would happen if that happened? You know, how would this be changed if it had to happen today? But this scene in particular made me think, is there a show ever made that is more profoundly changed by the introduction of the ring doorbell than the show Las Vegas? The number of times that they knock on somebody's door and that person opens goes to zero in the ring doorbell universe. Yeah. We still don't yeah. know who Felix T. Cat is if there's a <laughs> ring doorbell in that bitch. Well, here's the problem. I'm with you, theoretically, but most of these doors that they knock upon have keyholes, peepholes, that people could look through, accomplishing the same that they could with a ring cam, and they just don't use Let it. Let me have my joke, you son of a bitch. I, you didn't say it was a joke. You very clearly introed it with, I have a question for you. Questions, yeah, but my I friend. Had, I had, but then I had to make it a joke when you point when you poked a hole in my theory. You son of a bitch! That hole, what has been poked, could also be used to see through instead of the ring cam. I will be waiting for you in the tall grass, my friend. You best hope you don't have a joke or wry observation down the road. I think we all know how this is going to go for your boy. <laughs> Georgia had a better time when Sherman was done with it <laughs> than you will, my friend. <laughs> womp womp. But Pomona is just, our girl's a thinker. She's quick on her feet. She's got ideas for all this. Go, look, I just met the guy at the Montecito. We had a little fun. I gave him my number. What? He came out to see me. We didn't do anything. It's cool. But, you know, if y'all just let this slide, I would be so grateful. Like, so grateful. So when they Eiffel Tower, which one do you think takes the back and which one takes the mouth? Danny, Mike, in that order. Okay. Da I think Danny would get the invite first of first choice because of prior, prior knowledge. Prior relationship. Yeah. On the On premises. The <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. It's, it's wrong how long we've been friends. They call this into Ed, who is ripshit angry, mostly being lied to, and... They find Evil Judd at the sports book, tearing up some tickets. So, you know, Evil Judd and I have one thing in common, but Evil Judd's happy to see them. And they're like, how are you happy to see us? We're here to kill you. Yeah, this this should be a bad thing for you, partner. He's like, get this shit. Pomona is blackmailing me. Bum, bum, bum. We come out of the commercial break with Ollie giving this sob story of Pomona called him up after they made out. And says she knows he's married, so either he gives her a hundred thousand dollars or she's gonna tell Nicole. Ollie claims he didn't fuck her, which specious somewhat, because when directly asked he he implies that he didn't fuck her, but when asked the direct question, he does not answer it in the negative. There was some unaccounted time and uh a lack of clear denial from Evil Judd. Not a good combo. It's one of those where, you know, if you're going to get blackmailed for fucking this random prostitute, you might as well just go ahead and fuck the random prostitute, right? It's, uh, and like, what's the out here? It was clearly the 20 team parlay that he had at the sports book that he just <laughs> right? lost to try and get the 50 grand back. And we have no idea. So this aired in January. So we're probably thinking it's, you know, peak basketball season and hockey. So he's got like a. 20 teamer cross sport 
regular season on a fucking Thursday. Like he, he's on the uncut gyms tip off winner parlay. It's just something ridiculous. Yeah, sure. We'll take your hundred bucks. We've already spent it. You don't need the ticket. It's already lost. But yeah, his pitch to Ed is I don't want to lose Nicole because she's so special. And because you know how special she is, you should loan me the other 50 grand that I still owe the stripper who's blackmailing me. Uh, again, balls of steel on this dude. Yeah, but so stupid. Like he, you know, setting aside what we know happened, he needs to go to Nicole and be like, hey, I'm being blackmailed by this prosty that made out with me in an elevator. Yes, I should not have made out with her. I deeply apologize. Here's what I'm going to do. She wants 100 grand. I'm going to spend 50 on that on a Kobe Bryant. I'm sorry, ring. We'll do marriage counts like whatever you want. But like, I'm not going to jeopardize our entire family's financial future on the lies of a whore. Sorry. I, I should have played better defense drunk in the corner of the elevator when the pretty girl started kissing me. My bad. But very, very sorry. I understand if you want to fuck the mailman, but we cannot go down this route of me paying off somebody who's clear. Listeners, if you take nothing else from this entire run of the show, once you pay, the blackmailers keep asking for more. Yeah, we we watched Delinda in a box for this explicit lesson. If you didn't get it, then hopefully this barrels it through to you. But never has a blackmailer gotten the first payment and been like, all right, we're square. GG's. Great pleasure doing business with you. And she doesn't even have any fucking evidence on this time. Like, oh, she knows somebody in surveillance to get the video again of them making out. There are no negatives. There's no original proof. Like you're still fucked, dude. Yeah. Throw your throw yourself on the mercy of the court. That's your only out here. Not at all a good play. But as we'll find out in the office after this, Ed wants to know, you know, can this stripper really pull this off? Does anyone in security actually know this girl? And Danny's like, uh, this guy. Mm, biblically. A little a little nonchalant for my liking in this situation. Again, opportunity to score some points or at least not give them away. But Danny feels like shoveling into the fire, it seems. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know her. You know, because I busted her like a year ago. Nothing weird. But come on, lead with that, bud. I 86 her for trying to scam one of our guests. So that is how I know her. It is laughable that she thinks I would do anything for her, but I suspect I'm the one she's talking about. Danny somehow avoiding this bullet aimed right at him like it was an airstrike for his crew. <laughs> Ed's more worried about the idiot and decides to figure out of like, OK, if she can actually pull this off, we'll do a little more investigating before I actually murder this idiot. Dump everything you've got left on my paws. I say again, expend all remaining in my perimeter. Nicole and Mary are hanging out in a treadmill filled, but otherwise empty Cooper suite. 20 minutes in, no okay go. So she calls them and they're like, yeah, we're here with Sam because she told us to. Mary's like, mm, okay, why don't you go ahead and put Sam on in a move that I swear to God, I would have thought. I can rewatch the episode right now. 99 times out of 100, I've got Sam picking up that phone and being like, deal with it, Mary. Click. The fact that she doesn't even come to the phone, mind blowing to me. 
So good. So good. The disrespect. I'm going to have to call her back. Yeesh. Very, a very season two. I think, like you said, a very season two arc from these two. Like Sam just being unnecessarily catty when she's owning all these fools and Mary being a doormat clown. Though this time, Mary uh, seems like she's got a little, uh, was it Bill Russell throw one elbow? Like, okay. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, Nicole, grab your M&Ms. We're going on a fucking road trip to the exact same set, but with more people in it. It's fine. So I go down there and Nicole's excited. Okay, go is doesn't mind being yanked around, which is perhaps the least believable part of this, that any musicians would be cool with this runaround. Like, fuck you. No, this was in my contract. (laughs) They were pretty low on the totem pole and they had already agreed to do one of these dumb things. So if they can get two people in for the price of one, fuck it, whatever. We don't care. Fair point. So they're happy. Nicole's happy. The whale, Mr. Scrotum or something, is happy. But Mary is pissed. And on this, she does not seem willing to let Sam skate. No, she, uh... There's there's a fire in her eyes when she joins the suite that we haven't seen too many times. Do you think it has something to do with the fact that Sam is basically giving her fuck you and fuck me eyes from down below on the treadmill the entire time? Sam giving what is probably I feel fairly safe in making this argument the sexiest on a treadmill taunting in the history of television. I mean, this is some real. Runners in scoring position on the third Thursday of a month in which Mercury's in retrograde. But yeah, you're not wrong. Listeners, if you have a scene you would like to put up against this, we are always willing to hear argument. But I feel pretty safe in this uh, in this decision. Dolinda finds Danny and apologizes for blowing up at him for not telling Nicole. And look, we've already litigated this. That's fine. Reasonable people can disagree. But here's where I got to leave her behind. Because she has compiled a list of every dude she's banged and wants Danny to do the same. And then they will swap lists. What what possible? This is a horrible idea. Just a horrifically bad idea. She thinks it's going to bring their relationship closer. To a breakup? Yeah. I'd be hard pressed to come up with a thing you could do that would more sabotage a relationship at this stage of it ever. Like... This is the kind of thing you break out when you've been married 30 years and you're like, what if we got into swinging? Let's call all the people we used to fuck. This is not we've lived together for three months. Let's torpedo this whole fucking thing. Fresh off a fight. Let's go nuclear. No matter what you see on the other person's list, something bad is coming. Either yours has too many or theirs has too many or you don't like the people on theirs or they just... No, there's there's a friend you didn't know about. There's an enemy you didn't know about a colleague. There's no. It turns out you're all good looking blondes and you're worried that you're just the next in a type like whatever you whatever you find. Only bad things this way lie. You find 80 percent of his list are people who got blown up by an airstrike. Now you're worried about your personal safety. It's he finds out that 80 percent of her list is all people that he blew up in an airstrike. And now he's getting charged by the fucking Jag for intentionally murdering a bunch of dudes that banged his now girlfriend. (laughs) Plot twist. He lured them into enemy fire so he could kill them all with napalm. (laughs) Fucking Taliban sleeper cell, Danny McCoy. 
that is a spinoff I would be very sad to see, but I would definitely watch the fuck out of it. Would be very intriguing. But Danny decides, okay, well, that's a terrible idea. Let's go the complete opposite way and go the most wholesome thing possible. What if we buy the others out of the lot and just build our own dream? Home? <sighs> no, God, so bad. So, so, so stupid. Listeners, obviously, we know how this ends up, but you have to believe me. This is Danny talking to Mike here. Contemporaneous notes. I hate this for both of them. I hope they both enjoy living in the chasm together. (laughs) So, so dumb. I could. The only thing I just got done saying what could torpedo relationship worse than the who did you fuck list is the let's build a home together list. Yeah. And doing them both concurrently seems like a real bad time. (laughs) I mean, I I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss for words that a famously audio medium. Suffice it to say, your boy is pissed at this moment. Is this one of those where you multiply a negative by a negative and it turns into a positive? No, this is one where you multiply a negative by a negative and you annihilate matter and antimatter. Oh, that's that's less good. This is this is real bad. Also way harder to do on a calculator. Hey, you fucked Steve in accounting. Oh, and by the way, you want a bidet and I'm going to have to deal with this both at the same time. (laughs) No. There's no way this is going to go well. Well, sadly, Danny was not listening to this podcast from the future, and we come out of commercial with him dutifully making his list out in public, you know, where all the cameras are, including his boss, who routinely watches the cameras for random shit. What could possibly make him think this was a good idea? This is one where you, yeah, he's agreed. He shouldn't have. But then you say nothing and you hope this goes away. And if she reminds you, you go, oh, shit, sorry, slammed at work. And then you buckle up and do it. Fine. Whatever. You certainly do not eager beaver this problem. No, 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 no. Because she is not going to be eager to see all the beaver you smashed. <laughs> hey, but Mike is going to come up and, and in a rare instance is going to well obviously start off as horny mike of oh that's the list Uh, okay wink i think we both know you're lowballing this one wink because i know you slayed way more than that wink also tell me about all those girls that you fucked please in great detail preferably with video wink but also is like hey bud maybe don't don't do this it's a real bad idea but uh oh well i guess let's go to the hippo and chat with pomona yeah, I know what'll fix this. Let's go to the strip club. Pomona denies the allegation. She's blackmailing evil Judd. Makes a few compelling points in the process. One, I would never make it in this business if I put all my clients shit out on main. Reasonable. Two, if I blackmail this guy, why would I give him my real name and my address? That's insane. Extremely reasonable. And three, which I think we've learned this lesson before in pop culture, if you've got a cover for something admit to a lesser crime and she's like yes he gave me money but it wasn't 50 grand for blackmail it was 1800 to fix my car wink the car in this instance is her butthole and by fixing it she means gently using it for 20 seconds and then leaving correct so they call this into ed and he has another chat with evil judd and he's like here's the deal 24 hours tell your wife what you did or i will 
get the fuck out of my office. And once again, the the audacity on this guy. It's like, oh, you know, with his compassionate, his understanding, as Nicole said you were, I, I really thought you'd want to help with this problem, but I guess not. It's like, get the fuck out. You should, you you are going to just habitually overplay hands that you don't have. Oh my god. I gotta be honest. Might be another thing he and I have in common. He seems like Judson at a one three holding table at the casinos after a few too many drinks. Fuck it, I'll fire at it. Just keep on, keep on. They can't fold to a raise you don't make, baby. I mean, sometimes it works. Not this time. What what is the opposite of a heat check? Because that's what our boys doing here. Like maybe like I can't go O for infinity, right? Is this the one that drops? It, it's it's the Antoine Jameson. Why do you shoot so many threes? Because I can't shoot any fours. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter if they go in or not. That green light is always on. Danny and Delinda make their pitch to the other three, and they all agree to sell their shares of the house for eighty grand a piece, thirty more than they paid. Everyone's happy. And while on the topic of money, Dylan is like, hey, I think you might be right that Nicole sucks shit because of how she talked about Ollie and the lack of cash. Now, listener, if you've watched the episode, you might be thinking, hey, wait, that hasn't come up since the initial lunch like half an hour ago. Ding, ding, ding. Delinda is just over her fugue state of anger and has now remembered this. Yeah, extremely pertinent information that would have been useful in all of this way earlier, Delinda. And the way you know this is because as soon as Danny hears about Nicole's obsession with cash, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, gotta go. We'll see you. Bye. The, the last Tetris piece has slid into frame that he needed for the big, big score win. It's called a Tetris. Danny heads back to the security office, tries to get a video IQ on Nicole, but it turns out very conveniently, she just called asking for Danny. He says, great. Set up a meeting for me with her at Wolfgang's in an hour. Hey, Mikey, you got any more of those fun little uh, Apple tags on you? God, can you imagine how fucking unbearable Mike would be in the age of AirTags? I told you this shit made sense. You all gave me so much grief. Now fucking Apple's making them charging 25 bucks a pop. This is absurd. Now, is it true that I was doing light crime with them? Yes. Is it true that most people are doing light crimes with the Apple AirTags? Yes. But branding. I mean, Apple's packaging is much sexier than Mike's, as we'll see here in a minute. True. Very true. Believing in the adage that revenge is a dish best served cold, Mary, who acted like everything was fine earlier at the burned down house, apparently had waited until Sam went to her car to discover that she had it filled with shaving cream. Fuck you, Mary. You don't fuck with a person's car. I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. Fuck you, Mary. I would like everyone to just put a pin in this. It was filled to the fucking brim. 100% internal volume shaving cream. It was indeed. Just file that away. Danny's going to meet Nicole at the bar at Wolfgang's, and Nicole apologizes for telling Delinda about their whole thing and hopes they can still be friends. Kind of weird timing on all this, but Danny's like, yeah, sure. Let's have a suspiciously long hug so that I can very subtly put this little blinky light thing in your purse that I hope you don't ever open your purse and immediately see. This extremely low red Apple AirTag that I brought back from the future. 
It looks like, remember when you used to go play laser tag and it would just have the uh-huh. blinky part? It looks like he ripped out the fucking Tony Stark center part of the laser tag vest and dropped it in her purse. It is every blinking light that has ever been used on a brick of C4 placed under someone's car. <laughs> yeah, that's actually exactly where they got it from. We come out of commercial and listeners, I'm batting a fucking thousand on this episode. Delinda is already turning into a nightmare about this new house build. She has a laundry list of shit that she wants. And the one thing that Danny wants, which is a, you know, fucking theater room, she shits on. Fine, whatever. That's cliche. Who cares? Delinda doesn't even want a second bedroom. I think a home theater would be a good use of an already existing second bedroom. Who says we need a second bedroom? We saw what that house looked like. It was very large. It had at least three, if not four bedrooms. What the fuck house are you building with one bedroom? That is just nonsense. We've seen the house Delinda grew up in. You just, I, I mean, like if a contract, if an architect designs that and a contractor builds it, I think you could make a credible argument that they go to prison for dereliction of duty. You can never sell a 3,000 square foot, one bedroom house ever. It's just, it's insanity. I, no like, amount of curb appeal and bread warming is going to alight over the fact that there's an bedroom. You sociopath. Ultimately, they're deciding, perhaps a little late, this may be a terrible idea and we need to uh, need to go ahead and abort out of this. But back at the casino, Sam's not bothered by Mary's practical joke because she claims she paid a valet $20 to clean up her car. What the... How is that even possible? The valet thinks Sam is really pretty and is willing to do dumb things for little money. She for sure threw in a fringe benefit, right? <laughs> she gave him the old like bra still on Joe Rogan flash. I, I think she gave him a you just escaped assassin's hand job. There's no <laughs> way some titties bra or no bra and 20 bucks gets that. Clean. Again, listeners to the brim. Also. It definitely ruined shit in that car. Yeah, I I remember those Lexus SC430s. They were nice cars. Your le- your leather seats are fucked up right now. Your leather seats, your electronic. Hell, your fucking ignition is probably ruined. Yeah, a lot more than 20 bucks. And it reeks of shaving cream because there's no way, especially the $20 detailing, got all the va- fucking uh, shaving cream out of it. No. Oh, you put a little uh, pine tree air freshener in there. It's great. Cool. So it smells like pine tree and menthol shaving cream. What a delight. She's going to get fucking contact high every time she drives her car. But yeah, Sam, Sam practically bragging of, okay, cool. You cost me 20 bucks there. But my whale that plays 500 grand a weekend, who is now going to stay with me because I got him the okay go thing is staying for good. So suck it, Mary. I did my job right, which also helps your job. Take that. Also, not sure I I want to make the person think that they didn't get me and therefore incur more potential wrath. Yeah. Oh, so I still owe you one. Got it. Bet. Cool. Cool. Next time I'm going to shave an alcohol soaked rag in your gas tank and light it. You dumb bitch. <laughs> let, let me know what the blowjob in $20 gets you on that one. Very weird. Uh flexing here by sam but as mary and sam are angry at each other they're gonna go see danny and delinda who have had a change of heart say you know 
we didn't really shake on anything. We didn't even do the hands in hooray. So we want to uh, go back on that whole giving you 80 grand for what you pay 54. Huh? It's weird how not well received that is. Who could have possibly imagined? Yeah, it is. It is super surprising that someone would not want 30 grand profit rug pulled from out from under them. And like, I understand that their point is it hasn't been that long. And so like, sure, legally, I'm sure there's a cooling off period. But like, they're your friends. That's just dirty pool. This. Yeah, no, this is a are you a person of your word or not? Clearly, they are not. You're trying to renege on a deal. That's not not something that we support or appreciate on this year podcast, for sure. On the other one, though, it's show business, not show friends. Do what you got to (laughs) do. Mike walks into this little kerfluffle and says, you know, our second tracker is back (laughs) heading out to Henderson. Do you like the use of kerfluffle? Kerfluffle. I hadn't heard it with the extra L there. I guess it is technically kerfuffle, but kerfluffle is more fun. It is more fun. And I think uh, what happens at a porn shoot, <laughs> when particularly you... if Kermit the Frog's involved. <laughs> Piggy likes to give him a kerfluffle before he has to perform. Oh, it may not be easy being green, but it sure can be hard. <laughs> and lucrative. Have you seen the size of that hog? Rhymes with frog and everything. Oh, fucking hell. Just think about things that rhyme with toad. Who wants to stick around for the cream pie? No, I don't, I don't like this anymore. I want to go home. Oh, why? Your childhood's ruined. There's nothing there for you. Touche. <laughs> but yeah, Nicole's off to Henderson and just happened to park at having the strip club be named the hippo is really not good for the run of conversation we were just on. But life finds a way. And also, if you think that Hippo and Spearmint Rhino have anything in common, we didn't touch on this earlier when Mike and Diddy went, this is the worst looking fucking strip club in the history of strip clubs. This this looks like the strip club that you go to to get stabbed. <laughs> yes. Central Casting Location Edition missed the mark on this one. Uh, I guess or, it depends what you're going for. Say, Spearmint Rhino. Spearmint Rhino is an incredibly high end club, and I thought that was their obvious as did I. And so the hippo being a place where truckers go to stick their dick in a fucking bathroom stall hole, not not aligning with Spearmint Rhino. Not the glorious choice that the truckers were making. But Danny now gloating it, about because it's he- called a glory hole. Told you I was going to wait for you. I know it was it was it took longer than expected, but that's about how that was going to go. That's how it always goes at a glory hole. Oh, Jesus Christ. Danny now gloating that he... Because now you're going to think you've got Kermit on the other side of the wall, too. (laughs) Well, you'd be able to tell by the felt feeling. (laughs) A hole's a hole. Why does anyone listen to this fucking podcast? What are we doing? Oh, God. Is that why they call that a toad in a hole? (laughs) Well, a glory hole in England is called a toad in a hole. I, like our listeners, hate us. You stick your dick, isn't it? <laughs> hey, Gov. Blimey! <laughs> That's a full pint! Oh, <laughs> uh, what a way to honor the queen. But Danny's now gloating because he, <laughs> By the too. Way, sorry. 
earlier. I've been trying. Listeners, I swear to God, this is the seventh time I've tried to segue off of this, and Judson refuses. Earlier, I had the conversation with Ashley where I was like, do you think when she was near death that the queen got senile and tried to knight one of her corgis? I'm, I'm assuming she probably tried to do that like eight times. Did she use the sword to stab one of the dogs on accident? I think we both know that she did. Oh, that's actually how corgis had the dock tails. It's because the queen got all sword happy. <laughs> oh, I thought it was just because of the dog incest as befitting the royal family. That's all for us tonight. Remember, please, if you're going out on a date and you want to impress someone, it's a dog eat dog world, not a doggy dog world. But finally, for the love of God, Danny's going to gloat saying he is the true good judge of character. Nicole's definitely up to something. Let's go. And there's no drive time stakeout here. We're just going to get to the strip club and see Pomona and Nicole happily splitting up the money. Whoopsies. Yeah, Nicole tries her best to weasel out of it, but obviously she's busted. Get the cops involved. Another win for the McFatiff. What's not to love? I mean, the last 20 minutes of the show for the most part, but besides that. Well, that's a listener problem. (laughs) Good news for listeners. We have the return of the musical denouement. Okay, go are playing their set. Danny grabs Delinda and says, you know what? I think we've got to honor our deal. We have to buy out the shares. So I think we got to do it. But to avoid this, uh, you know, brewing fight about the house. What if you're in charge of the inside? I'm in charge of the outside and we scrap the sex lists. Delinda snap agrees. And in my head, I was thinking, what could Danny possibly have in mind for the outside that is going to offset his loss of his theater room? Before we get to the actual answer. Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I was thinking he had some sweet patio, big fire pit, outdoor TVs, essentially a beer garden in the backyard. Lazy River, basketball court. Like, I thought it was going to be something obscene. Y'all, it is. And I got to tip my hat to the guy. He wants to build a log fucking cabin. Danny, you have bought yourself out of one chasm because you now have a seat at the design table. This is a masterstroke. If I thought you'd done it on purpose, I might move you to the chip lead. He is horny for the log cabin. Delinda's having an existential crisis. I literally scream cackled when he pulled out that fucking magazine. It was such a funny reveal because I had totally forgotten it. I was I was thinking, you know, he's got some crazy backyard yep. plan. It's going to be great. No, 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 no. He just wants that old school a blinking ass looking log cabin. What a fucking legend. This absolutely amazing. Absolutely hilarious. And like we don't often and perhaps not nearly enough call out actors for just killing it. But Molly Sims plays Delinda like realizing the magnitude of her fuck up truly perfectly between this and when James Caan takes down Judd Nelson in the very first savage takedown scene. Find the DVDs, fire this up on your cozy TV DVR. Those two acting moments are the tops. Good, good stuff. I also, maybe not to this level, but I also very much enjoyed the scene that we get next with Ed and Mike of Ed trying to somehow admit that he was wrong while also not admitting to being wrong at all. 
and that, you know, 99.9% of the times he's right. And, you know, maybe there's this one time out of a thousand where I was kind of wrong, but fuck that all you got. He's still a dick. <laughs> that guy's still a piece of shit. Still dog and evil Judd. Turns out he was really just sad Judd. Womp womp. Up on the mezzanine, Sam relays a suggestion from her silent whale that she and Mary kiss and make up. And if you had on your bingo card, Mary grabs Sam and plants a big old smooch on her while sad Judd and silent whale look on lustily. Go ahead and mark that square off. Good job, listener. That was I mean, that was a smooch. She was Mary was getting in there also. And I know I don't know. I'm largely certain that Vanessa and Nikki's hearts were not in this scene, but it was the least on-screen chemistry kiss I think I've ever seen in my entire life. They were fucking statues. It was it was a weird bit, but I tell you what, Ollie and Mr. Slocum sure enjoyed it, so everyone's a winner. Well, let me ask you, I know they enjoyed the kiss. Did you enjoy the episode? Yeah, I think I did enjoy this one quite a bit. There wasn't anything that really... Uh, irked me or rubbed me the wrong way. I think it was a good time for the most part. How about you? 100%. This is a solid double up the middle. Fun episode. No real clunkers. I was constantly yelling at the screen, but it was because like characters were making mistakes, not the writing room. So it was fucking solid. You know, it's not not going on any Mount Rushmore's, but it's exactly what you want out of a mid-season bottle up. Yeah, it will. We'll take this anytime. Now we switch gears to the chip lead. As a reminder, Sam's on a back to back, followed by Delinda, Mary, Mike, Ed and Danny. And there was some tight grouping going into this, but it is spacing out, my friends. I mean, I, Danny stays where he's at, right? Uh, kind of. Yeah, he's last. <laughs> he he remains last, but he will no longer be sixth place if I have my way. So some astrophysics may be taking over with some voids being created in front of him, but He's not moving up. Correct. Uh, I've got Delinda, Ed, and Danny losing chips. Sam, Mary, Mike winning chips. Now, I realize it's not at the level of getting shot or divorced or something like that. But having your really expensive car filled with shaving cream, whether it's $20 or not, you're smelling that shit for weeks. Is that alone not enough to drop some chips? I mean, in isolation, sure. But she was really enjoying her time on the OK Go treadmills. Yes, as as were we all. Uh, and she definitely got paid. So she got her paper. Um, and look, I don't think she's raking in huge pots, but I think she stole a couple blinds. OK, that's fair. I just wanted to raise the, the question. Uh, no, that's fair. So I've got it as Sam, Mary, Mike, Delinda, Chasm, Ed, Chasm, Danny. Interesting. Let me. I think if if I'm reading your facial expression correctly, I sense some, perhaps not umbrage, but some surprise at me throwing a chasm in front of Ed. I I would like to hear the explanation for it because I have a tough time with that one. If you make the central tenet of an entire episode how good you are at reading people, and it turns out you have misread someone that you've taken under your wing decades ago and that blows up in your face in a very public way that everyone's going to find out about with that person going to fucking jail that is an extremely bad day at the office and i don't give a shit about your 99.9 percent 
sure, let's stipulate his math's correct. His one in a thousand wasn't, I kind of got this one wrong. It's, I called an all hands meeting to welcome this woman to an all expense paid vacation and she ended up in jail. It, it wasn't until the last part that you sold me because my, my counter was going to be, he did not train his eye on her. His read was only on Ollie being a piece of shit, which I think we would agree. He does seem like a piece of shit. And his, you know, it turns out his read on Nicole 15 years later may not have been the best, but she turned into a shitty person in the intervening 13 years. But yeah, inexplicably inviting her out for an all expenses paid trip that then ends with her being in jail for fraud. Yeah. All right. I'll give it to you. And I got to say, unless you think Danny's lying about the pregnancy scare, we've got evidence that she wasn't good back then either. Yeah. No, I, I, you, you sold me. I, a, a two chasm table back in play. But congratulations, Samantha Jane, shaving cream or not. Back to back to back. Enjoy your three-peat, girl. That, that treadmill scene, doing a lot of work here. Speaking of strong performances, this is the part of the episode where you open up the tap on your font of wisdom and pour a cold glass for our audience. What can you, uh, what can you share with them today? You know, I, I think we've, we've given some important advice, helpful advice throughout the episode, but there's one thing that we passed over kind of quickly. Kids... Don't commit a quarter of a million dollars to a plan that you don't even have fully formed in your head that relies on somebody as flighty as Delinda. Yeah, honestly, um, I I think that is among your top five pieces of advice. If I may, I would like to maybe expand the applicability of this. Always, please. Drop a zero and delete the reference to Delinda. And this is still top tier advice. Sure. Don't commit large amounts of money on a plan you haven't fully thought through. End of message. Full send. I, I think that is is maybe a better worldwide general advice. Holy shit, Danny. Like, and I think it's going to end up fine. Blah, blah. Who cares? But like just casually throwing around 240 G's. That's a lot. And not having a budget for the house yeah. and not knowing like, come on, come I know fucking Penny Posen condo is going to make you a nice, a nice mint, but you got to live in it while you're building that house. And then you got to build the house to get reimbursed by the insurance. I mean, like just your, the amount of cash you're going to have to float is like half a mil. Oh yeah. Easy. Well, Ed, we had a silent whale this time. Any chance we're getting a lobster obsessed whale next time? Well, Judson, next time on Pod at the Montecito, Wagers of Sin. Ed puts a massive wager on his team's table when he offers up his coveted parking spot to who can who to whoever can catch the most cheaters in a 24-hour period. Shouldn't the episode be called Wagers of Neon? One would think, and I only hear one wager. And I hear no neon. Poorly played all around. We all know this is Neon City, not Sin City, so hard to say what they were doing. It could be they didn't get it to the back of box synopsis makers. I don't know that I remember a whole lot about this one. I think on spec, though, it sounds like maybe we're going to get some light mikvah tiffing. And I vaguely recall the girls getting to play in the surveillance pool, which we've only seen a few times in the past. But I'm worried that I'm just 
thinking of the past the past posting stuff from the last time and the comp scanning hmm. and i don't know if i'm just thinking of that over again i don't know but i gotta be honest i feel like we're on a little bit of a mini stride here in terms of the app so i'm here for it i'm i've got nothing but good feelings i, I hope that we continue a the solid run that we are on right now well thank you everyone for joining us this fine episode and for again sticking with us through this uh elongated release schedule if for some reason you hadn't yet but this is now what you needed to leave us a review tell you what if we get 1000 non-robot five-star reviews before we record the next episode we will go back to releasing episodes every two weeks for one release cycle (laughs) talk about a wager of sin a true wager of neon i mean if that doesn't get you guys off the couch i don't know what will uh, I, can they still tweet at us? I I basically aren't on Twitter anymore. Is that a thing we still do? I mean, depends on the day. Okay. I mean, you, you could tweet at us Maybe. whether or not we see it. You know, wh- whims of a billionaire and all that. At this time, we're talking about Eddie. You know, you never know if he hits the lotto. Best believe he's not going to do shit for your fucking tweets. Yeah. The the odds of the next episode happening are that that schedule's going to get pushed because your boy's going to be on a fucking island somewhere. But perhaps uh, if he's feeling generous, we'll do a live special episode from his private island <laughs> in which we say, suck our dicks. We're out. Deuces. Uh, but yeah, tweet at us. Whatever. Don't. It doesn't matter. Just don't tweet at James LeSure. Leave don't him out do it. it. You don't want to hear it. We don't know if he still uses it or not. Uh, maybe not with the whole FBI thing. I don't know what their policy is on on billionaire social media platforms. We know they're out on TikTok, but you never know about about the tweeters. Um, tell a friend about us. I don't know why you would. Maybe you don't like them, but you can. Tell Peacock, because fuck them. Tell Cozy, because, I don't know, they're trying, but not that hard now that it's switched to weekends. Um, the Deets, Deets at Montecito Pod. Hashtag Las Vegas for Peacock. Hashtag Get Cozy with Las Vegas. Emails pod at the Montecito at gmail.com. Eddie Mac. Alpha, then numeric. I don't I don't think that's accurate. Yeah, worse. Just go with it. It's one of those that makes sense if you don't think about it. Yeah, alpha's short for alphabet. It, it works. That wasn't the part I had the issue with. Because you push the number to get the at sign. Yeah, but the at sign itself isn't numeric. But it's on the numerical key. It works. Just go with it. Trust me. It works. Uh, for- <laughs> Bear with us a little longer on this uneven release schedule. By a little longer, I could mean forever. I could mean a few months. Whoms can say. But at least for one more month. We know that. Next one is we are expecting to drop on May 18. Uh, That is subject to change and subject to the whims of the service. But that is what we are aiming for, May 18. Um, And until that day comes, thank you for joining us. I've been Judd. He's been Ed. And this has been Pod at the Montecito. This is...